curry sauce all over your anus. Delish. <laughs> And welcome to another thrill-packed, fun-filled episode of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And this week, myself, Sir Michael Livesley, I am joined by... Uh, Professor Sir Dominic Carmichael. <laughs> Have you been up to Barnyard Castle, was it? No, Barnard <laughs> Castle, that was it. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. I hadn't thought of anything this week. Well, no. oh, that'll do. Yes, yeah, I yes. I like it. Professor Dominic, do you have one of those little pillbox hats with the tassels, like Professor Screwtop in Lord Snooty? Oh, I should have, shouldn't I? You or at should. least, uh, at least a fez. There should yes. be something. There should there be really some should. acknowledgement. I love it. There's an episode of Wurzel where he's on about uh, how all the posh people live up in the house, and one of the things he says is oh, having smoking contests. <laughs> <laughs> smoking contests. Do you know? Really? I took part in one of those. In did you Bruno. really? Mm. Bruno in 1997. Saint uh, Bruno, one, 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 one. Um, where, So we're about. Is that about 150 miles from Prague? Um, right. And it's the capital of Slovakia. And the best thing about it, right, is the. Um, it's sort of the motto, uh, or rather the mascot for Bruno, is a crocodile, which is a bit odd because you're in Slovakia here. But and they've still got this crocodile. What happened was this crocodile apparently wandered into Slovakia and was eating peasants. Where it came from, I don't know. <laughs> but it was wandering around eating peasants, and then at some point, <laughs> someone came up and clubbed it over the back of the head and killed it. And now it just sort of like it's been stuffed and it just hangs in a little archway leading into a shopping centre. So I was in Brno. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a um, there was a such a competition at the time. I was a I was a. Fortier dare. Oh, oh, let's give this a go, shall we? But we're talking about people who have got them between every oh, finger, I... a little claw, oh, right. and they can do five in two drags. I'm not joking. Wow. <laughs> Gone. Five more. I thought you Literally. just meant they had them, you know, here like uh, like uh, SS officers in films. No, are like, no, no. no. We've, we've got papers, them. old man. <laughs> You know, and Je- and Jeffrey Bernard as well. No, it wasn't. I'm lying. Pete- no, no, I'm lying. Uh, Kenneth Kenneth Tynan. Oh, he did that, did he? Kenneth Tynan did that. Uh, t- Kenneth Peacock Tynan, as he called himself. Right. He was uh, uh, basically he is the person who. Because of Tynan, we don't have censorship anymore, of course. Because these days, uh, he was the first person to go on television and say fuck. Uh, yeah. But he did it very brilliantly and very deliberately. Does that um, exist, or do we just have Charlie Drake's does not exist? About it? Does not exist. <laughs> I'm the Sadly. first person to go on telly and say, <laughs> <laughs> "Is that yeah. the Palladium?" That um, it is. I yes, it's, it's yeah. Sunday night at the Palladium, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but of course, Tyner did that, and um, so yeah. But he had uh, he had the cigarette between those two fingers as well. But, but it was purely. To look different. That's all right. it was. It's that right. wonderful, wonderful story from when him and Larry were launching uh, the National Theatre and Tynum was bored during a press conference. So there's uh, Larry extolling towards a member of the press and Tynan sat there with a cigarette getting rather bored and thinking, how can I pull it back to me? <laughs> and, he, and he leant forward and he said to this journalist, 
Do you know, my dear, what Larry said before? Just before you came in, he said, all journalists are fuck pigs. And sat back. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. I absolutely love him for that. Because um, he's correct. He's completely correct. Of course he's correct. But uh, yes. why, why are we talking... Oh, yeah, cigarette through... Yes, oh, smoking yes. competition. There we go. We've, sorry, that was a ramble and a half. So you didn't, didn't win? No, didn't come close. Didn't come close at all. Um, I blame Wurzel for that. Well, yes. We're, we're, there's something to talk about with Wurzel later as well, but it's part what of a large-scale rant, I like to think. But apart from that, oh, how are you this week? Good. you okay? Oh, very well. It has been a good week for nice things. I don't know about you. I mean, aside mm. from... Uh, you know, uh, whitewashing me middle bedroom, not a euphemism. Um, it's been a good week for uh, this. It's been a, an interesting week for nice things, if I may uh, talk you through a couple of them. Please. Um, yeah, yeah. So I went in the charity shop the other day and I found they had lots of these, you know, those lovely BBC radio collections. Obviously, someone with impeccable taste has died recently. So there was loads of. Yeah, I've just realised I've been diddled. One of them has only Why, got one, one of them. <laughs> yes, dear. We're back to the middle room. Um, one of them's only got one tape in it. Look at that. I've oh. been diddled. Oh, so hang my, on. Uh, no, hang on, hang on. No, just check because Radio Collection did start issuing single tapes and double boxes. Just check. If you've got side three and four, really? then you're screwed. Well, do you know yeah. what? It's a single tape of Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland, read by Alan Bennett. Oh, and the custard creams, mother. Um, and there's a receipt in it. Oh, no, it's my receipt. Oh, well. Well, um, so, Mike, I can, um, I can put your I mind know, at rest I here. Be- I can put your mind at rest oh, here. Oh, you know? I do. I do know. I own the vinyl of Alan Bennett reading that story. And right. it is very much one record. So you, you've not been diddled, I don't think. That's a nice thing. I thank there you for you that. So we got we got one of them that I, I realised I haven't Lovely. been ripped off with. So um, no. we got this one, John Mortimer, quite honestly, a novel. I presume that would be something about 1990 with, uh, 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 what's his name? The the, the floppy herd fella, Hugh Grant and Liz Hurley mm. would star in that, I should think. Mm. And then we get to the good stuff. So that's that's kind of like, they were just there because they were three for a quid, you know what I mean? And as one of, uh, one of England's uh, most notorious tight asses. There was no way I wasn't topping it up to the three quid, uh, to the one quid. Oh, no. So, Rumpel and the Primrose Path, oh, uh, read by the author. We'll have one of them. Rumpel rests his case, read by the author. That's all right as well. Rumpel and the Penge Bungalow Murders, again, read by the author. Now, if you know your Rumpel, that's the one he always goes on about. Did I tell you about the Penge Bungalow Murders? I was a junior without a leader or whatever it is. And that's the thing he always brings up, bloodstains. So mm. I think that Mortimer, one of the last things he did was write up the Penge Bungalow Murders. It was a little bit like, you know, in um, in Sherlock Holmes, how he always goes on about the giant rat of Sumatra. The t- yes. a tale for which the world is not yet ready. So, Which is where uh, Robert Holmes got the inspo for... Talons from Talons the Wing Chang, yeah. Yeah. Then another cracker, Benteen. Oh. I presume that's his one man show, which I do have somewhat. Yeah, it is his one man show. Where he goes on about being a Peruvian Brit or something like that. I can't remember. Mm. Um, Richard Breers, which will be nice reading The Wind in the Willows. Lovely. Uh, we are nearly at the end. I, I do beg, <laughs> crave your indulgence. And then read by Andrew Sachs this, The Willows at Christmas. Which I'm I'm not aware of this. Are you aware that, of this? I'm not it aware is. of it. Now is that is that down as being 
by Kenneth Graham. No, William Harwood. William Harwood. I'm looking at his face now. Now I don't know if I approve of this. No, I'm unsure. I'm unsure myself because is it canon? Um, potentially not. I, I just like the sound of it. I can't mm-hmm. imagine how Manuel's going to tackle the complexities of uh, the riverbank, but we shall find mm-hmm. out. And then, very much the curate's egg. And I have come to the end of our journey, dears. Uh, great battles. Great naval battles of World War II. Uh, this one is the Battle of the River Plate, narrated by Frank Pierce with battle sound effects. Now then... Now then, that is going to be... That would be something for which you would be better off with a nice bottle of port and mm. a fireside. Yeah. Just sit there yes. with Frank. You yeah, know? absolutely. So, <coughs> I mean, I have to say that's the one that interests me most. I would happily absolutely. sit there and, and listen to that. But then again, I was brought up in a house where my dad had uh, LPs of the sounds of trams. So, which is wonderfully, wonderfully evocative even. Very much the curate's egg. Mm, absolutely. Very much the curate's so, egg. Mm. But, I mean, it's been a week for buying things, and I'll continue just to uh, very quickly rip through another Leo Baxendale. Uh, uh, I've now started on the Smash annuals. There's Grimly right. in the middle. Mm. Um, and then, of course, it had to happen sooner or later. The old lookings. That's 1984, you. Uh, 19, you won't approve of these, Paul. Uh, this is 1976. And this you may approve of as a student of things, which is a kind of bumper boys issue. This backwards stuff does my head in. Um, which is the thing I said last week. Graham Kibble White, is it? That's it, yeah. Oh, yeah, which lovely. is a big bugger. And then this yeah. morning, the final thing. Well, it's not actually, but the final thing that was brought to me by my friend who made the Hoomobile is this thing. What? What's this? He got this at the tap market. Now, what I like about this, what I like about this is that John is on the front. They've used the still from Doctor Who for it. Yeah, and that's the bit I like. I've not listened to this yet, um, but there he is on the back, um, accompanied by the um, I don't know what musical youth is it or something. I can't read it. <laughs> John Percy and musical youth. Now you'd have that, wouldn't you? Oh, I would have that. Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. So there you go. Uh, it's been a bumper week. And I, hmm. I, I do crave your indulgence on that one. I'm sorry about that. That went on. But I know you've got a love of vinyl and certainly mm. of John. Uh, oh, I've just, yes, the two. The, the two go in hand thing. in hand beautifully. Yeah. They do. Well, in, in terms of nice things for me, dear, there was, yes. uh, I, first of all, we've got this. Beautiful. Now, now that, there we go. Now, that is gorgeous. And, and, and also, it's one of those that boasts... A shiny inner sleeve, is it not? Um, oh. I can't remember. I'm sure the photograph you sent. Me. Oh no, it's just no, no, no. This is this is a normal sleeve, I'm afraid. Right, right. But I've got that. One. But it's it's a it's a lovely thing. I mean, uh, obviously, one of the nicest things from my perspective is the fact that it's got the Thames logo um, on yes. the record, which is always good. Uh, it's a strange one, this because. If you if you're used to listening to these TV adaptations uh, put onto record or cassette or whatever, then um, you get used to the fact that it's normally edited down. There might be a little bit of narration to help you along and that sort of thing. This is over narrated, but right. to quite quite a staggering degree. Um, so, for example, you've got a bit of dialogue going on between Richard Pearson as Mole and and David Jason as Toad, and you'll get oh ratty said Toad. 
Bam, 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 exclaimed Mole. Is that, no, no, don't break yes. the rhythm. Because you've yeah, got these four old chaps stood in a studio working together. You've got the rhythm. They're looking at each other over so their stands with their it, scripts. It's not soundtracks from the TV series. This is specially recorded. Well, I think what you've got is soundtracks from the TV series, but it's the untreated track. It's not the final mix on the show with the music and the sound effects. It's straight from the studio right. with then with sound effects added on, which makes it a, an interesting little curio, really. Um, mm. But, yeah, but no, that's 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 a rather nice thing. That well, Wind up. in the Willows, as we've both mm. got Wind in the Willows-themed goods in, in a strange yeah. way... Um, Wind in the Willows is one of those things that persists, isn't it? Really, I don't think. I think mm. that if there are people in a hundred years' time, they will still be reading these stories. I think so. Uh, the Wind in the Willows is—it's it, got the same quality as the Box of Delights mm. in that it exists in that sort of hookland of the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. That lovely crossover period before the war, before the Great War, yeah, where you. Or, or between the wars, you know, when everything seemed okay, you've got you've got these these lovely periods, and you can't quite place them, and you can't quite tell what it is about them, mm. but it's it's the stuff around the edges. It is always yeah. it's always the stuff around the edges, isn't it? That's that makes them. But what year was it? I mean, I've got a copy of it somewhere. Um, Winter the Willows. My, for some reason, I'm thinking it's around thirty two. Right. I think so I could be completely wrong. I think it's between the walls. Now, I could be totally wrong, and it could have been written in the 17th century. But, oh, no, um, no, and, absolutely not that. It's definitely early 20th century. Uh, but as somebody said very kindly on Twitter this week, uh, one of the key things they enjoy about this podcast is it's just two middle-aged men refusing to Google anything. <laughs> it's quite right, yes, isn't it? It's quite, quite right. right. I mean, when did the Willows... F- mm. It seems that there comes a point... There comes a point in every man's life. Um, I I, I don't know why I slipped into a bit what was his name Wilfred who's the guy he played all the pissed butlers Wilfred it's uh, he's in the wrong box he's Peter Cook's butler in the wrong box it was his last acting role oh it's a wonderful wonderful I am going to have to google it are you going to google it no I'm going to try and resist Wilfred F-R-I-D Wilfred I'll try and remember his name brilliant actor like right, mm. like brilliant. Anyway, um, uh, but yeah, there comes a time in a man's life. He's also the driving instructor in Hell Drivers. He's brilliant. He gets Stanley Baker on his thingy, and when Stanley Baker puts his foot down, there's no brakes. He's like <laughs> pissing himself. But he's <clears throat> he's a he was a proper pisshead. Like. Mm. You know, he was wonderful. He was a wonderful yeah. pisshead. And he was the guy who Arthur Lowe bases his, um, you know, when he plays the butler in The Ruling Class. Yeah. Uh, the Peter O'Toole film. Uh, which is another brave film because it begins with Harry Andrews hanging himself, in, in you know, within the first two minutes. Um, mm. But, yeah, so he he based his characterization on Wilfred God. Damn it. I'll have to remember him. Brilliant, anyway. What am I on about? I can't remember, Paul. Oh, Wind yes. of the Willows. Yeah. Mid-80s. I know you may not remember this, but ITV Granada, particularly Granada, which is why it surprised me Thames is on that. I always thought Wind in the Willows was a Granada production. Mm. But anyway, ITV has a sort of renaissance mid-80s, and they seem to start... 
going for it in terms of the production values are at least the, the standard of what they're offering improves this is probably all combined with the deregulation isn't it and there's probably mm. more money or whatever. but you've got like the adventures of sherlock holmes you've got the wind in the willows they for my money they seem to come around the same time they come as the same package of you know new stuff I could be wrong well, with that. Wind in the Willows. No, it was Thames. It was um, Cosgrove Hall uh, for Thames. Yeah. Um, and that comes... Because the first thing that you get is an adaptation of the book before they went to series. You get this Christmas book adaptation. Day. Did, you, did you watch it Christmas Day as a kid? I did. I did. Oh, you know the year? I would suggest... All right. Uh, you know okay. what? I'm going to be wrong here. But I'm going to go with 83. You're right. Hey! <laughs> yeah. Right, but no, I I say you're right. I haven't checked, but I'm fairly ah. sure. And the reason the reason I'm quite sure right. is because um, I bought or had bought for me um, some C90 audio tapes um, right. around November '83. One of them was for recording the Five Doctors. One was for the Ooh, uh, yeah. All Creatures Great and Small Christmas Special that year, Ooh. which doesn't work on audio at all. I can assure you. No. Um, no, um, and the other was the wind in the willows. So I'm fairly sure, eighty three, and then of course it gets picked up and it runs to series. Um, yeah, there is. I I don't know. I mean, there does seem to be. Um, there's a lovely shift, I think, at ITV there. Uh, uh, suddenly, with using film an awful lot more, be it stop motion pieces like Wind in the Willows, or be it Sherlock Holmes, you do seem to get film. Uh, being used an awful lot more in those productions, though, around that time. You've just spurred the memory of recording things on audio tape as well, which is kind yes. of... That That was a very brief window for me, because I, I've probably said on here before that um, I got a paper round so that I, you know, I, I begged my mum to sign the paperwork so that we got a video recorder, and, mm. and the, the condition of that was that my paper round money uh, paid for it. So this video recorder was 20 quid a week, a month, but prior to that, I'd had the same thing, getting cassettes, taping things off the telly, and, ah, oh, man, that is just, that is a that is a, a very nice thing. That's a, a very cosy memory, that is. It is. It's a, it's a lovely thing. It's one of those, I've, I've got another memory, because around the same time, Radio 2 started to repeat Journey into Space. Right. Um, the Adventures of Jet Morgan in Operation Luna, who was played by Andrew Folds, who then became an MP, I think. Um, and they played an episode every Friday evening um, on Radio 2. And I've got a lovely memory of uh, desperately, being on holiday, desperately trying to get a signal, because we're in the Lake District. May right. as well piss in the wind just try and get a decent signal. Yeah. Um, and going to um, Ambleside and walking out on a jetty basically into the lake with a ghetto wow. blaster, plonking the ghetto blaster down, off we go, journey into space, just made it. Um, unlike Doctor Who's Slipback, where, again, I was away in the Lake District, yes, we, I missed episode five and six. Yes. We have discussed Slipback before. We have, still um, course. I used to like with those, those, those radios when you were a kid, when you got on the old long wave and that, because I don't know, I, I think that it, getting, getting a hold of equipment such as that um was sort of a bit of a, a rite of passage you know no pun intended with getting hold of equipment but um and that's when i started staying up instead of going to bed early for school you'd be in your room you'd have your own gear so you were like right i'm gonna and you'd end up i remember i ended up 
um, finding Red Rose Radio, which was Manchester, obviously. And they had a guy on there, and he's still working. Alan Bezik. Alan Bezik. Alan Bezik. Alan Bezik. How do There's a Barry? Name. I haven't thought of that name since about 1990, until you started saying there. Red Rose Radio. Really? he's still there. Uh, no, not Red Rose. I think that's gone, but I think he's at BBC Radio Lancashire. Um, mm. And he's kind of a bit sanitised to what I recall him being, because... I remember he used to get banned quite regularly on that. Um, and I remember he was banned for, for... I remember one week he'd been off for a fortnight. You know, he'd had, obviously had a, a, a ban from the radio regulator. And he came mm. back and Doris Stokes had died that day. And he started the thing off with, like, spooky music. And it was like, hello, Doris, can you hear me? Dor-? And I think he was banned again straight away. <laughs> but I remember once it was like this advert for Andrex, you know what I mean? And my mummy buys Andrex. My name's Jeremy. And my mummy buys Andrex because it's very soft. And and then Alan comes back on after the advert. And, he, and I remember him saying, I think Jeremy could do with a smacked bottom. How do, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> straight into the car like so he was very irreverent but i used to yeah so i had red rose so i'd listen to him and then there was a guy called um something gilmore and then there was a guy called andrew britain andy britain who became andrew britain off the tv off granada news yeah yeah so i remember staying up all night listening to these shows one after the other but when you got to the end of the dial on these things you know because it's like oh this is shit i don't want to listen to this whatever was on and you got to the end of the dial on that, and you'd pick up some... You'd pick up some great stuff, wouldn't you? Some Maddie's German station, and you were like... I think that was good for firing the imagination, really. I read that years ago, so. there's a something you can tune into on the radio, which is a transmission coming from somewhere like Siberia, and it's just like a beep. Have you ever read about this? And they don't know I've what heard plant it. it. Yeah, they, don't, they think it comes from some kind of power plant, don't they? And it's yeah, it's from a monitoring station of some That's sort, they it. think. And it, it beeps, and then the occasional sort of like boom, 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 boom sort of thing. And, and then somebody some will count. person answer it. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Very strange. And they've been going sort of since the beginning of the Cold War, and they <laughs> like keep going forever. It's Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, no, I, I do love that. Yeah, and that's one of the lovely things when it comes to radio, and and that's the, the cozy strangeness of it, and yeah. and the fact that it does fire the imagination. I think um, for me, there was a big thing in um, 1988 when on a Saturday on Radio Four at 11 o'clock in the evening. Now I was only I, was, I think I was 13. Um, so this was genuinely listening under the duvet with headphones in. Um, and you get Saturday Night Fry with Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Emma Thompson and so on. Um, which was just first time I'd heard, well, you know, a postgraduate sitcom, that sort of Oxbridge sitcom and going, mm. this is this is interesting. Followed immediately by a series called Live on Arrival which was uh, Steve Pont, Hugh Dennis, Flip Webster and Guy Jackson, uh, which came live from the the radio theatre in uh, the Paris studios. And they would announce it as coming live from the Paris studios uh, at Saturday nights at half 11 with a live audience. And I thought, oh, they're in London and they're on the radio with an audience and it's live. That's nice. I want it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, whilst you were doing that, what was that, 88? So mm. I think on a Friday, um, around about 88, Granada started, ITV started repeating Arvidas in Pet. They, ch- they chopped it up into half hours. 
Um, oh. And it was rubbish. But I mean, an, an RV design is just such a very nice thing. I mean, mm. I don't, I don't know if you're if you've got the RV design gene at all. It's very much the opposite end of your sort of like you know postgraduate humor. I I remember Granada actually with the first station i saw frying them on it because they did a thing called coming next which was a, a good while before that that you're talking they about. did and they did al fresco as well that's and, it yes um, yes yes al fresco and i'm not sure if they did the cambridge review or if that was bbc2 i can't remember i think it was bbc2 actually uh, but RV was just quality, mate. I mean, Saturday night and a, my my mother and this is this is <laughs> this is quite embarrassing, really. But my mum had just met the man they call Barry. So on a Saturday night, you know, I would sort of they would go out and in order to keep me quiet, I'd get given a a can of Coke and a little paper bag in which was a, a dairy a small dairy milk and a bag of. Um, I, th- I think salt and vinegar, cheese, and onion crisps, or something like. That. So I I would pimp my mother out. On a Saturday night, for a can of pop and a bag of crisp and a, and a chocolate bar. And I'd watch RV design pet because my nan would be asleep in the chair. Paradise, my boy. Absolute oh. paradise. But RV design uh, was magnificent. And, and you know, uh, um, Clement and Lafreni, mm. regardless of your tribal allegiance, BBC or ITV, they're in there. Oh, they absolutely are. I, I don't know why it's a show that's slipped under the radar because. It does have everything that should now be ticking all the right boxes. And do you know what I put it down to? Is what's the building site they're working on in Series 1? EastEnders. They're building mm. EastEnders, aren't they? Which also means they are demolishing part of ATV. Ah, but I went down there the other year and I sent you that picture and the building is still there to this day. It, it is the the famous Patrick Weimark building that yeah. he storms into in the plane makers. It is there. Yes. All right, maybe I'll have a look. I might, I might have a look. It's wonderful. The thing about series one is the audio quality is... T- I mean, the, the whole thing's terrible, uh, mm. quality-wise. The writing is top-notch, and the performances are just brilliant. The great aspect of it was that these were people who weren't known. They were completely mm. unknown <clears throat> actors. And the genius of it was that they covered all regions of the UK. You know, you, you've you got someone from Bristol in it. Well, he wasn't. It wasn't he was a brummy Pat Roach, but you've got someone from mm. Bristol. You've got someone from London. You've got a scouser in it who's, you know, an arsonist. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got someone from Birmingham. Again, mm. Tim Spall. Um, but it all... Um, revolves around what uh, Wayne Gary Halton's character refers to as the Poxy Neffin Jody Mafia um mm. of Tim Healy, Kevin Waitley and and Jimmy Nail just absolutely uh, it, to see Jimmy Nail in that f- well both series but in the first one when here's somebody who used to get up on stage in pubs in Newcastle pissed out of his mind in rock and roll bands in a tutu and hobnail boots you know what I mean they managed yeah. to get that onto the screen, that whole persona. I, I cannot see the the job. If, if he learned those scripts, I suspect a lot of it, he just knew around the edges and improvised because it right. is so fucking natural. But, mm. yeah, and it's, it is ATV. It's central. It's central. <laughs> and it's made... <laughs> It's made just at that point where they're getting rid of the of the franchises. They're, they're changing the fan- and franchises. And literally building over the... Literally building over it. So, but, no. 
No. no. I hadn't I, made no, that I'd... connection till just now, you know, that mm. it was... So Central took over the ATV franchise, and in doing so, they uh, paved over ATV real estate. They paved over ATV real estate, and they sacked Noel Gordon from Crossroads. Central so... did that. Well, I mean, shit, it was still ATV at the time, but it was obvious. But the change was in the air. This was, I think, we talked about how uh, Lou Grade was basically told, "Can you stop making feature films and concentrate on Solihull?" Oh, yes, of course I will, right. uh, and he didn't. Um, which is why then ATV it became central rather than say like TVAM went and we got whatever that god awful thing was for a bit. Um, rather than that sort of change or the change from Southern to Meridian, was it? TVS. TVS, thank God. Um, what we get instead is you kind of get this transformation of ATV into Central and various changes that happen there. But one of the key things that Central didn't want was a very successful soap opera, which is odd. Very odd. So that's so it's it was literally the, the changeover that led to it going. Well, it should have done. Apparently that was the intention because... Uh, they, Central didn't want to be associated with a cheap bit of telly. They didn't want cheap. So how do we get rid of it? Get rid of your star and everyone will stop watching it. And they didn't. So it kept right. going and it kept going and it kept going. Um, and then they brought a new producer in. And that's when you stop getting the lovely Crossroads titles right. and things. And he, make, he makes it more like a soap opera, Philip Bowman. But then, from what I can gather, there was a minor indiscretion uh, <laughs> with a lady. Uh, nothing illegal, perfectly, absolutely fine. Uh, but that led to, leads to Bowman going. And they gave it to Bill Smethurst. Now, Butcher Bill, a man who came in and went, well, this is very successful. Let's get rid of everyone. And let's set it in a leisure centre. And that did it. Ah, that stopped people watching. Right. Um, Before you go any further, let me try mm. and remember... Go on. Something Oaks. Is that right? King's Oak. King's yeah. Oaks. Is this what Crossroads you're talking about? Crossroads King's Oak. Yeah. Right. That's when it becomes that. And originally, so it goes from, it's originally, it's Crossroads for about 20 years. Then it becomes Crossroads Motel. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Then it becomes Crossroads King's Oak. Okay. Yes. And then the final thing was going to be Drop Crossroads. The show is now called King's Oak. But essentially... When you look at those final episodes, it's like watching Emmerdale Farm. So, mm, didn't work. But um, It's crazy that, that you would want to sort of kill one of your... Um, what do they call them? Your go- goose that lays the golden egg or whatever it is. Yeah. That you'd want to, you know, set about demolishing it like that. When you mention Crossroads, one thing that always I'm reminded of is, is Captain Sensible's obsession with Adam Chance. Um, I'm trying to think. If you watch the video for Captain Sensible's What, it's set in a hotel. Um, and in the lyrics, you hear it. It's, uh, well, hello, Adam, how you been? Well, stand aside, because I'm a feeling mean. And he's out about Adam Chance. Uh, and then in the damn song, The History of the World, Part 1, he sings, Adam Chance and Zorro, take them with a pinch of salt. So, so Captain Sensible, obviously, I would if I ever get to meet him, uh, well, I have met him, but we were both very drunk. But if I ever get to meet him and talk properly, I shall say, what is the deal with Adam Chance? He, he'll probably well, just say, I don't know, the telly was on or something like that. 
Please do. I'd be fascinated with that one. He's a, he's a wonderful chap for hearing a story from. He t- There's a wonderful story um, from... Now, Michelle Dotrice, her mum, Kay Dotrice. So Kay Dotrice was quite well known as an actor. And she was doing like big feature films. And she did a fair bit for Disney. And then she ends up doing a stint in Crossroads. But she comes in and she thinks she's the star. Now, this this is a mistake. You've got Noel Gordon, of course. Noel Gordon is the star of Crossroads. Yeah. And in comes Kay, who's used to multiple takes and recording about 30 seconds a day, not doing an episode and a half a day, basically live. And Tony Adams tells this lovely story of him and Nolly being positioned, ready to walk through the doors of reception into the motel uh, as the credits are playing on the screen. And... The ATV logo plays over the tannoy, which I love. The fact that that used to be played over the tannoy to get them in. Oh, we're off. Then the music comes in. And Noel Gordon doesn't move. And she just doesn't move. And Tony Adams says, well, Nolly, Nolly, we've got to go, we've got to go. And she goes, oh, no, no, dear, no. Because (sighs) Kay, Kay is meant to walk in and meet us at reception. Where's Kay, Nolly? Cigarette comes out. She's over there in the wrong fucking dress and the wrong <laughs> fucking scene. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, I think I remember Michelle Dotrice being in Disney movies as well, wasn't she? Wasn't mm. she in them as a kid? I think she was, yeah. And I'm she married sure Ian Hendry, that, didn't yeah. she? Is that right? Oh, no, it was yeah. Edward Woodward. Edward Woodward. It was Edward Woodward, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it's well. it's a strange... I mean, the 80s is... I mean, compared to now, the the, mm. the thing we know nothing about, let's be honest, compared yes. to now, the 80s are probably very tame in terms of what we're talking about is the dismantling of things that have been decades in mm. long institutions, aren't they? I mean, yeah. nothing now seems to last like that in, in entertainment. I'm sure, I'm sure it does, but I'm, I'm not aware of it. But <clears throat> the 80s seems to go through this... Real rev. I, I I think the seventies must have been quite a cosy world if you were involved with telly. You, everything had been built in the fifties and sixties. The seventies were quite easy street, and then the eighties come along, and then midway through its deregulation, and then midway through, um, grade shakes up the BBC, um, mm. and then the early nineties you've got radio. Was it Matthew Bannister who, you know, completely destroys that? It's like you've got. Uh, What's his name? Dave Lee Travis outside broadcasting house. Something very wrong is going on in this building. He was right, wasn't he? <laughs> he was right, yes. And he knew it as well. <laughs> um, but um, which thankfully gave us the smashy and nicey end of an era, Doc, which is one of the greatest things ever. It's nearly Beautiful. as good as uh, the Harry and Paul history of BBC Two. Did you see that? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, I my do. God, the Barry Cryer. What was it? Wonderful people, marvelous people, all dead, of course. That wonderful funerals. Um, but the eighties and the way that the BBC was ripped apart. I mean, we we returned to to the way that Doctor Who was treated in the eighties, which is is a roller coaster ride. And and one of the things you've been enjoying, one of your recent nice things, is mm. that season twenty four box set. Was it you got? Is that right? Season twenty four, yeah, uh, which are just just here, uh, just in in oh, frame right. there. I think you can just about see. Ah, them. yeah, um, yeah. Season twenty four. Now it's an odd one. Season twenty four. This is the first time I've watched the show in broadcast order since it went out. 
Um, and the reason for that is because of a, a bastard called Philip Halewood, I think I've mentioned, who stole my VHS recording of episodes one to seven of the season, which I have never quite got over, with a, with a signed VHS sticker by Bonnie Langford, oh, who, well, which was sent to me. That. What Bonnie Never would. get over that. Never. Um, so, so what is what does it start with? Is it Mark of the Rani? Is it Time and the Rani? Time and the Rani. Time and the Starts Rani. with Time and the Rani. Let me, now ch- let me test. Sorry to interrupt, but Time and the Rani, Dragonfire, Paradise Towers, Delta and the Bannerman. Uh, is Dragonfire last? Dragonfire's last. And I remember that because Glitz comes back in Dragonfire. Uh, the Glitz comes back. Still with us, Tony Selby. I don't know if we've said still that. alive, Tony Selby. Did we mention that he isn't dead? Tony I don't Selby. think we did. We meant to, but we never did. We did. And he is still alive. Um, he is. So Glitz comes back in that, doesn't he? And Bonnie Langford leaves, and lovely Sophie Aldred joins. So we've got is you've got Dibber, a lot happening there. His mate Glitz, Glitz and Dibber. Glitz and Dibber, yeah. Right. So, time in the Rani. Right, okay, mm. I'm going to tell you what I think, because it's quick. Okay. okay. It's too brightly lit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's too wide on all the shots, I think. Right. And I think that so much of it... Have you ever heard that saying, there's no such thing as a bad idea, just an under underdeveloped one? And mm. and I th- and I think and I've not read the script doctor yet, which I bought on your recommendation. I, I right. get the feeling that it's very very rushed. Well, you see, I I'd agree with you in some ways. What you've got, and it's interesting if you read the script doctor book that relates to this to Andrew Cartmel, uh, the the period when he started working on the show, Time of the Rani was already commissioned. Time of the Rani is already basically about to go into production. So he's got minimal amount of time that he can spend looking at these scripts and trying to do anything with them. And he comes up against Pip and Jane Baker. Right. Now then, strange people, um, Pip wouldn't use the phone. That's something that uh, the book talks about. He would not answer the phone. So if you wanted to ask Pip a question, you would have to ask Jane, who would then ask Pip. Pip would reply to Jane. Jane would reply to you. Um, They were incredibly, incredibly possessive about every single word that they wrote. But they write in this very strange, heightened way that's just a bit shit. Is the right. only way to describe it. Yeah, I um, go with that. So you've got that. Then you've got the fact that JNT, the producer John Nathan Turner, has been told, no, you, you've got to make this series a bit more lighthearted. Let's get a bit lighter. Okay. So he's thinking about that side of things, which is why, and partly the reason that he hired McCoy. He didn't hire McCoy to be a great actor. He hired him as a great clown. And that's why you get yeah. all the falls and the tumbling and all that sort of stuff. And... It could work. That's what always gets on my tits about this one. It could really work. I agree with you. It could work. I mean, I'm not in that. Do you remember? I'm, and and they edited it out. Do you remember Doctor Who night in 1999 on BBC Two? Yeah, yeah. Where the League of Gentlemen did those sketches, and mm. then they do that whole thing where he plays uh, Sidney Newman, doesn't he? And he's it's like a whole joke about commissioning it. And he's like, oh, and he'll play the Doctor. And he said, what? And he does that line about any fucker with an equity card. 
Yeah, we'll, um, who should we have? Well, we should have the most wonderful, graceful actors ever on British television. What, for the whole 26 years? Oh no, just the first 20. Then any old cunt with an equity card, with, with that word bleeped. Yeah, um, right, is that which right? Sylvest- which Sylvester McCoy was not happy Could, about. Can you blame him? I can't When you think about Sylvester McCoy's career, you know, with the mm. Ken Campbell show, when you think yeah. about all the things that Sylvester McCoy, well, named by Ken Campbell, you know, mm. for a kickoff. Uh, that that man achieved, I, I can say, because by something like Ghostlight, mm. when they've got the lighting correct and when there's characterization, when they've toned that bloody awful costume down, I mean, that's mm. another JNT thing, isn't it? The, the question mark umbrella, the this, the that, the other. Um, in Ghostlight, it's all toned down, isn't it? It is. Everything starts to get pulled in a bit by degrees. Yeah. Um so and you start to see hints of, of this darker character throughout that first season, but then it becomes more so, doesn't it? And I think um, in season twenty six we lose the grey coat and we go to the brown and we get the duffel yeah. coat when he's outdoors, and there's a lovely sense of bizarrely enough realism um, in some mm-hmm. of those last stories. And you're right; they get the lighting sorted, yeah. but not as well as they could have done. One of the things that would have been beautiful uh, in in that, I think, the second season, there's a story called The Happiness Patrol. Mm. And it's an attack on Thatcherism, essentially. You've got a central character played by Sheila Hancock, who is Margaret Thatcher. Um, and it's set on a planet, uh, Terra Alpha, where if you are not happy, then you will be killed in all sorts of ways. You might be electrocuted by a fruit machine whilst being forced to have fun. You might be drowned in fondant, all the all these sort of things. Yeah. But what they wanted to do with it, and it's deliberately girish, everyone wears pinks and things, but there is an oppression with the pink there. And originally what they wanted to do was shoot it like a film noir piece. They were going to shoot it in black and white, obscure angles everywhere, and of course, then it became, oh, no, we can't have that on BBC One. No, 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 let's, back we go. And unfortunately, what you then get are these sets that look very theatrical, but they're not designed to be seen mm. as, we're see- as we're seeing them. I would love it if someone, and I could do it myself, but I, I won't, uh, would sit down with Premiere Pro and re-edit it in black and white, find those angles, you find the shadows. You could do it. Get it I done, boy. Do it. No, no. Um, no, I, I don't know. I think that that character itself, um, I, I see what they were getting at with it. I think that in the new adventures, it, it became they fleshed the character out far more interestingly, shall we say. And then you get things like this is really people listening to this will be, you know, we we will shut up about this in a second. I promise you. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you get for me uh, with Cold Fusion, which is the missing adventure, which crosses over with McCoy and Davison. Um, I think that the by that point in time you've got a really decent character, and then you get the TV movie where he kind of he sort of plays that character, doesn't he? I mean, he gets shot wonderfully. But, he does. But, I, he is brilliant in that. He's absolutely he brilliant in it. He is um, lovely and in if, that. If you listen to some of the uh, pieces he's he's done for Big Finish, there's a wonderful know, one set in Colditz. Yeah. Oh my god, he's brilliant. He is in that, superb. He's brilliant, brilliant in that. I mean, I think that he was badly served. I don't think that he was just some fucker with an equity card. Um, 
But I think that 80s TV in particular suffers from that sort of badly, you know, the light inside of things. I think that's a, that's a, a, a valid criticism of that era. I didn't well, you, know about you the get a number of thing. Yeah, you get a number of things that happen at once. I think that affect that. First of all, you get um, you get new cameras um, being brought in, which are more sensitive to light. So therefore, the lighting that we're all used to now looks brighter. Um, I suspect it could be partly to do with uh, the change from recording on two inch tape to one inch tape. Yeah. That could play a part of it. There's all these different things, but ultimately. The vast majority of lighting directors did seem to have this idea of just whack the lights up, um, make sure they can see everything, and everything looks like blankety blank. Yes, it really does look like blankety blank. And then mm. you've got Ace killing a Dalek with a baseball bat. Uh, yes. Um, and then you've got things like so. There's the subtext about the Doctor as Merlin. I, I didn't really, I didn't mind that. I didn't. Let's rewind. Let's rewind here see. because I had an argument in 1988. Oh God. And I'm. I'm happy to have it again. Was this um, in the Fitzroy Tavern? <laughs> this this was in the school playground. However, okay. I am no the baseball bat. Yes, all right. So it was a special cosmic baseball bat, was it? <sighs> no, it wasn't. No, the, no. he puts the baseball bat inside the hand of Omega. There it is. Gets, there you go. A There's special a logic cosmic to it. baseball bat. Oh, you're making this up, child. There's logic with Davison lobbing the cricket ball at the TARDIS in Space in Four to Doomsday. Now, bid me logic I can buy, but um, <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. And, and the Doctor as Merlin in Battlefield. That's that's something that um, I don't care either way about. To be quite honest, that the Doctor was Merlin. Yeah, all right, I'll have that. That's all right. Okay. Oh, oh, yes, I am much more than just a time lord, or whatever he says. <laughs> Through those pursed lips. Anyway, that's enough Doctor Who. We could go. We yes. would go on all night. Um, we would. What is your complaint to Ofcom? When, oh, when, oh, when will the BBC learn? What was you saying before you've got... My complaint? Yes. Right, my my complaint is this. Complaint. Mike, I'm to tell you. My complaint. Um... My complaint... Hang on, where have I put them? There they are, they're down here. Oh, right. Now, my complaint is about a show that we've just talked about here. Right. Um, because I was I was informed recently, to my delight, that uh, a certain show was coming to BritBox. And that show is, as mentioned, Crossroads. So I thought, oh, right, well, we have to have this. Now then, about... Oh, God, when was this? This must be going back a few years now. Um, 90... Oh, I don't know. 2008. Around about 2008. So a while ago now, Network DVD started releasing Crossroads on um, DVD. Uh, and they got up to volume 20. Uh, so we get wow. to... Wow. Oh, yes. How many so per we get, disc? Uh, 16. So you get... There are 16... There are 20 volumes of 16 episodes. That are, That is 320 yes. episodes. That's correct. How yeah, much of the entire oeuvre does that represent? Out of four thousand one hundred and twelve, right? So about Not many six percent. Yeah, but we do get there. Are, there are periods where there's very little to see, of course, where you get maybe um, nineteen seventy four. I think there's only two episodes remaining. Right. So you do have fallow years. Yes. But anyway, it's coming to BritBox, and I thought, oh, 
Okay, well, I haven't oh, so yet, they... but go on. I'll I'll have a I'll have a dip. Let's get BritBox and see what and we get. And what does BritBox cost? <sighs> well, BritBox costs nothing for the first month. Then it oh. costs £3.50 or £4 a month for three months, and then it goes up to eight quid. This is like buying drugs, isn't it? You get the first one free. Yes, it is a bit like uh, that. However, however, these are good British drugs. Good. good. Unlike Netflix or your, your Amazon nonsense. Crystal meth? Uh, 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 what would that be? That'd be HBO or something. Yes. Um, uh, but unfortunately, then we hit the problem, Michael, which is where I would like to complain today, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, complaints um, department open. Lovely. The problem comes in, well, there's two things, first of all. When you're watching something on Netflix, and I say when you're watching it, because I don't, but when you're watching something on Netflix, <laughs> how do you cope when you get to the end of the episode and it credit shrinks and says, next episode starting in two seconds? It well, doesn't do that, the music. Netflix. Netflix doesn't do that. It'll have a little square in the bottom and it'll say such a thing starting in 20 seconds and you're like, no, fuck off, I'm watching this. And that's it. Right, so you can keep listening to the nice theme yes. music. But you've got to make that choice, haven't you? You've actually got to be t- taken away from it for a moment. I this go, is oh, no, a broader problem, though, isn't it, with credit squashing? I agree with you on that. It makes me feel vomitous. I think no. I, th- I think it's a specific thing here. BBC as well. BBC Four because... did it on those ghost stories for Christmas. You know when they repeated them first mm. time? What was that? Two thousand four or something? When they first? Two, yeah. And yeah, there, those lovely introductions with Christopher Lee and the fellow with the tash. Um, mm. I can't remember his name. And I remember getting them on the computer and you know re-squeezing the frame out so that I could have it. So I was so asked. Um, no, but you should be, and that's the thing, because when you're watching something about people moaning on Netflix or whatever, because it looks, it always looks like a group of women moaning with wine. <laughs> to me. So when you're watching that, and then it comes to your dull, drab theme music, Kate Nash with a guitar being mournful, then I don't care. I don't care. Okay, you quite finish it there. Go on to the next one. I feel Not the that same I was watching about Kef anyway. McCulloch's Doctor Who theme. Really, I do. But now, but now, think. Imagine you've just watched Ghostlight, and you've got to the end of the episode, and you're halfway through the theme music, and then it cuts off. Good, good. That that would be what a blessed release. You're watching all creatures great and small, and the oh. same thing happens. Now, all creatures great and small. No, right. absolutely right. not. And I bet they do right. do it. They do. Um, so. I got BritBox, although I'm going to get BritBox, let's give it a go. Yes. And I went for, uh, good idea, yes. and I went for my default happy television, which is Patrick Troughton in The Seeds of Death. Nice. And off we go, first 25 minutes, lovely, and then the credits start to roll. And of course the credits are only about 20 seconds long. So within five seconds of the credits at the end of the first episode of The Seeds of Death... Credit squeeze. Do you want to see the next one? It's starting in six, five, four. Oh, no. Computer jump voice by John Whitty. What? I'm furious. Let's press pause here. Right, right. So BritBox is like Netflix. It's not a TV channel. It's a Netflix. It's an Amazon Prime. Right. So there's not a schedule. It's you pick what you're... Streaming. Okay, right. Okay. But with credit squeezes. Mm, I don't know where you um, go from that, mate, because it's. I, I was thinking that you would write a very stiff letter on cardboard to the controller mm. and say, yeah. stop it. Yes. Um, but it's an on-demand thing. 
It is. Yes. That's the problem. But on demand, surely I know what I'm watching. Well, they're really misjudging the demographic there. Hugely. Because it, it'll be people like myself who actually want to sit there and watch the whole yes. closing credits of Crossroads. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. Um, but we get we get credit shrink, and that's going to be a problem. Crossroads starts... Oh, today it starts. Right. But, of course, a key problem with that is you, you finish the programme, you go to the closing credits, and then you go back to studio for the final line of the show every time. Ah. Yes, indeed. So... So you've Weird not seen problem. what they're going to do with Crossroads yet? No, I am going to have a look uh, as soon as we finish recording. I didn't want to look, Mike, if I'm honest with you, before the recording, because I think I will be too cross. They surely can't do it. They surely can't do it, because, yeah, that was the thing. That was the, the real USP of Crossroads. I remember it so very well. Absolutely. That lovely moment where you go back for the final line of the show and a dramatic uh, close-up. Yeah. But, or on occasions where it goes, there's two. There are two which stand out for me, which are beautifully done. One is where they they do the cross, the, the credits go far yeah. too quickly for some reason on this one. They race through them. And then you go back to studio and it's meant to be uh, Jill. Meg's daughter in reception, just looking a bit cross. And all she's meant to do is go, <sighs> an ATV colour production. And it goes back to it and she goes, <sighs> and then she looks around, oh, still on. <sighs> and she's just <laughs> sighing, looking from one way to the next, corner of her eye, looking for, are we still on air? And she's just sighing for a good 12, 13 seconds or Brill. so. There's just that brill. one. And there's another excellent one, which involves Sandy in his little wheelchair. Yes. And a knock on the door, and in walks a woman. And she says, Mr. Richardson, I believe you wanted to see me. And he looks shocked. And that cuts to the credits, and then it goes back to the studio, and he's still shocked. And he says... And there's no sound. They forget to put the sound back on the studio. <laughs> so, so he just mimes to the music of Crossroads. But of course, <laughs> they filmed the episode... Do we go back go back to the commercials and do it again? No. That can go out. That's fine. But the biggest complaint, I think, has to be that, yes, indeed, there have been over 320 on DVD, and I'm thinking, well, it's coming to BritBox, and now I can find out what happened in May 1979. BritBox are bringing a total of 10 episodes. Oh, dear. Ten. And, and, and are they ones you don't have? No, I've got them all. Oh. They're all off the DVDs. I'm not happy. I think this stiff letter needs writing. I, I really think writing. it does. I really think mm. it does. Um... It's been rather a Doctor Who-themed one this week again, hasn't it? And so I'm not going to bring this up, uh, the, my last nice oh. thing. No, okay. Um, that might have to wait. That well, will that have case, to wait. So will... Um, so will Terry Nation's ah, Dalek Terror. Dalek That'll Terror. have to wait until... Yeah, that can wait until... Yeah, I, I, I don't mind that. I mean, we could talk about that. It's just pure Doctor Who. We've done pure Doctor I mean... That's the one with the cast list um, involving John Culshaw as the Brigadier, is that right? Yeah, you've got John Culshaw, Matthew Waterhouse, Louise Jameson uh, reading stories from the 1970s, from the from the Dalek annuals. I have it's to say, lovely. I thought when I went on YouTube, because I thought to myself, oh God, because you see these cast lists on big finishy stuff and you think to yourself, oh, you know, it's it seems like a, a, a sort of boys club or whatever, and you think, mm. but... I went and had a listen on YouTube, and Culshaw's Brigadier is spot on. 
is absolutely is, spot on. So I don't mind that. Keep using the same people if they're good. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, otherwise, you, you, when you get into stunt casting realms whereby, you know, producers who've used uh, a young actor for something, that I don't know, let's just say Casanova, then end up casting him as the Doctor. They're terrible, terrible decisions to make. <laughs> Awful decisions. Went so wrong that decision. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it proved to be very successful for the general public, but for me, shite. I think that uh, the League of Gentlemen (laughs) sketch there was was bang on actually. (laughs) Oh, Uh, David Tennant. It's the it's the teeth clicking that. I hate that teeth clicking thing. Uh, Okay. And yeah, the teeth clicking's enough really for me. No, that's fair enough. Well, in that case. Rather than go down that sort of uh, road again, I'm, what I would say is uh, I did get one of the purchase that's not TV or anything like that at all this week. Um, and it was inspired by c- current events. Because I don't know about you, Mike, but it's been a busy week of news uh, to do with the, you know, this all the criminal government. And, uh, yes, yes, and the Euro and all that sort of stuff. But for me, the very best thing about the week has got to have been the fact that Richard Branson went into space and nobody was asked at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame he didn't stay there, but yes, you're quite right. Nobody does give a shit. The, the, you, the sort of, you know, it's mainly, I suppose, as well, because you or I, we can't hop on a plane and go anywhere, but that fucker can go into space if he wants to. There is that, you which know. then led me to thinking, which then led to um, which then led to my final uh, buy of the week. Which is, there is one thing that I think probably should be in every little collection somewhere. And indeed I had it, but scratched to buggery. And so, I was thinking about Branson. And of course, the fact with Branson is, he is only who he is because of Tubular Bells. Indeed. If it wasn't for Tubular Bells, then um, we would never have heard of him. So I did treat myself to a lovely new uh, 180 grand. I was just going to say, I knew it would be. Uh, so what is that, to... a reissue or a new one, uh, an old one? Uh, it's a, it's a reissue of the original recording, not being diddled with exactly as you should have it so, straight off the masters. So plenty of Vivian Stanshaw. Plenty of that, and absolutely beautiful. And then I was reading about it, of course, and I didn't realise that what happened here is at the end of making this, Oldfield was knackered. He was absolutely buggered by the I end of it. Imagine. Such a process to have gone through. And Branson immediately starts saying, oh, no, you've got to go and do publicity tours. Off you go. Get on the plane. Go and do this. Go and do that. And Oldfield, oh, I don't want to. I want to sit at home. No, no, on you go. And um, and there were also another two or three records that Oldfield had to do. Um, and I think that the second one was Herges Ridge, and apparently he wasn't completely happy, but that was pushed out a bit early. And that's when you get to the final one that he had to contractually was obliged to make for Branson, which is called Amarok. And mm, I that's read today this lovely thing, which is that Oldfield made it clear that if you could crack the code of the record, there's a code hidden in the record, and it's there for you to crack. And people eventually did crack the code. And throughout the record, in Morse code, you can hear being beeped out, fuck Richard Branson. <laughs> oh, yeah, Do well, I they should beam like... that into space. They really should. Maybe that's the transmission coming from Russia. It's just mm. fuck Richard Branson in Morse code. That, <laughs> that reminds me of that book. Do you remember that book, Masquerade? With the rabbit jewel With the rabbit thing. jewel thing. Hmm. Now, my memory tells me it was written by Kit Peddler, but obviously not. 
It was Kit someone. It was Kit though, someone, it? yeah. Definitely. And of course, the point with that was there was this fabulously bejeweled rabbit had been hidden yeah. in the countryside. Did anybody ever find they it? They did, yeah. Yeah, I read they years did. ago that they did find it. I don't know. I don't know. Mind you, that might be a man in the pub thing that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe nobody has found it. But I think they have. Um, mm. The artwork in the book was wonderful. It, mm. it was gorgeous stuff, if you remember it, with all the sort of scrabble letters around the edge of the pictures and stuff like that very 70s very 70s very 70s but again it played into that world that we were talking about before the box of delights world uh, that that world that probably never really existed but my god wouldn't you have loved to have been in it if it had well we've got that that, we've got we've always had that anthropomorphization of animals in this country Mm. haven't we i think that probably cultures throughout the world they always have but seeing as we seem to you know Europe seems to have kept so many of its early sort of folky folklore stories longer than quite a few parts of the world. I think that they've made their way through, haven't they? You know, you've got like, uh, who's the who's the French, the fox fella? Reynard. Reynard. So you've got, you've got all that sort of thing coming through. I mean, that didn't mean that we didn't charge across fields and have dogs pulverise poor old Reynard for, like, for 1,500 well, years, but, you know. But, and I, I, now here's an interesting thing. Now, correct me. Oh, I'm, I'm going to Google something. Oh, uh, you can Google gonna, that Wilfred fella while you're at it. I'm, I'm just fact, going no, to I check shall it do here. That, then. I shall you do, do that. Wilfred. Now, here we are. I've, I've got it. Right now, then the story of Reynard the Fox goes back. I, I it's not a recent thing at all. It goes right back. Yeah, yeah, it's old. into the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? That's what I meant about and things a, surviving. But of course, the interesting thing I always think that is that we know him as Reynard the the Fox, whereas of course the French word for fox is Reynard. Ah. And and here's the thing: the character name comes before the word. So that yes. character existed, Reynard existed, and because that character existed, foxes became known as Reynards. They all became known by the character rather than the other way around. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Anything like that's lovely. It's like, uh, do you know the story about how the kangaroo got its name? Remind me. Of- so when we went there, when Brit- you know Cook or whatever it was, he discovered Australia. He saw the, you know, they see the kangaroos hopping about everywhere, and they asked the natives, you know, what's that? What's that called? And they say kangaroo. You know what I mean? So it turns out later on, um, kangaroo is just like I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so when they say what's that, it's like what I can't understand the word. So. Um, yeah, but we do we do love a, an anthrop- anthropomorphization. I've got my Tufty annuals here. Um, mm-hmm. Tufty was one. Rupert probably one of the most um, well profitable. I'm I'm always surrounded by moomins. Ah, I, I see them incapable of. I, I know being, nothing about oh. them. I all I know oh. is that series when I was a kid, and mm. it being really ethereal and. Mm. And strange and odd and nice, and so it comes as no surprise to learn. Is it Finland the guy's from? Uh, Tove Jansson, she. She, uh, yeah. 
Finland. Yeah, Finland, which yeah. um, and and Finland's one of it's one of the nicest places I've ever been. And the bloody moomins are everywhere, absolutely really? everywhere. But um, no, I love that that sort of that that combination of the the Nordic. Um, again, it's that wind in the willows sort yeah. of feel, isn't it? Well, their language stuff. has bears no relation to Swedish or Norwegian, does it? It's a no, scandy right, language yeah. that as as it doesn't. Um, I remember I shared, uh, I sat next to a bloke who ran a, a, a an aircraft factory in Switzerland on the Eurostar once, and he told me all about because he understood language and that, and he said the Finn language shares no similarities at all with the other Scandinavian languages. He says it's got more in common with Hungarian. Hmm. Interesting. Fascinating. Isn't yes, it? yes. Interesting. Yes, stuff. yes. This is a very nice thing. Yes, very nice thing. So we um, failed to yes. do this Survivor's special yet again. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, I watched another one. Right, okay. Right, next. We will next, do that. Next time we next, shall do that. Next nice There thing. are so many nice things, Paul. There the are. The summer there is are. a time for nice things. I don't know if you... Uh, I, I, I'm not a particular fan of the summer. Um, probably based upon the fact that my mother used to make me go to bed and you'd be lying in bed on one of these nights with the sun just... Dying to crack through the curtains whilst everyone's playing like five hundred aside in the street, and you're like that bastards. It, yes, yeah. Well, no, I mean I'm out. no good with it because uh, even though I'm, it is summer, I'm sat here, of course, with with the cup of tea. Deep. Got to have the cup of tea. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Because um, I think on our second second nice things, uh, I got myself a nice cup of tea. But now I, I've. Oh, what if I haven't got the cup of tea? Will the show work oh. this week? It's that silly actor's superstition. You are it? Noel Edmonds in. in the nice thing world. He always had a cup of tea, didn't he, on a Saturday morning? Oh God, he did. Yeah. yeah oh no, I don't want to yeah. think about that. With posh no, it's, well, for me, I think for me, it's more uh, that silly sort of thing that uh, O'Toole does or did, um, where he wouldn't go on stage unless he's wearing green socks. Really? Didn't matter. Did not matter what the role was, and you can see it in Jeffrey Bernardes and Well when he takes his shoe off to do the egg trick. You know when he yeah. smacks the egg on the pint glass. Um, there's the green socks. Um, it's that silly sort of like peculiar superstition side that that well, we have. I had it with Sir Henry. I would like I had a red sock on the right leg and a green sock on the left leg, and it always yeah. had to be that. Um, yeah, so red, right. I can remember that. Okay, mm. no matter how many bottles of Jack Daniels were supped, I always remembered that. Uh, Wilfred Lawson was the actor Lawson. I was referring to. Um, That's it. He was such a pisshead. Mm. But, you know, in, in that sort of fine tradition of British pissed actors, you know, yeah. he, by the end, he was just pissed. If you watch him in the wrong box, he's like, oh! And he's he's in tears, more or less, with Peter Cook hugging him. You know, you can imagine him and Cookie were on the hip flask in the intervals and stuff like that. I like to think so. And the wrong box has got one of the most beautiful opening sequences you'll ever see in a film. It starts Mm. with that beautiful sort of, you know, the 60s reimagination of Victoriana in in the credits. And then it ends with Tony Hancock turning up as the inspector for like 30 seconds. You know, in full colour, those big blue eyes, Tony Hancock. And I think this is probably we're heading towards um, an ending here to the show, dear boy, because Tony Hancock, in all his pomp, the beautiful Tony Hancock in all his pomp with those blue Mm -hmm. eyes that 
melted many a lady's heart, and we had one of those ladies pass on today, did we not? We did. How's that for a link? That was good. That was a lovely scene there, dear. Yeah, uh, Joan Lemege, wasn't it? Joan yeah. Lemege, uh, who we lost today at the age of 90, I think. Wow, but, uh, but what a figure, now there's, what a life. What an amazing life. And uh, what's the name of her her book? Um, I can't remember. Oh, it's but it's something wonderful. I can't remember what it is, but I, I, I saw... I, th- I thought earlier. Yes, I might have to. Might have to. Find yes, I think that, that I think that's a wise choice to grab that. I, I meant to grab it. I've got. Do you think that's wise, dear? Uh, do you think that's wise? I think that's the Graham McCann one, isn't it? Mm. But he also wrote his own, didn't he? A jobbing actor. He he did. He wrote a jobbing. Hers was hers called Dear John or something. No, it wasn't. I. It was called Lady Don't Fall Backwards. Oh man, Just that's brilliant. what it was. It was Lady Don't Just Fall brilliant. Backwards. Um, her and her and uh, her relationship with John and also with Tony. So I think that needs buying and reading. Oh, a hundred thousand percent. I mean, mm. the you know the story she tells on those. Mm. You know, many times I've seen it told on programs about John, whereby the phone goes in the middle of the night and they find out that Han- um, that Hancock's dead, and they both burst into tears. You know, he was an yes. incredible man, an in, an incredible human being, um, and his capacity for forgiveness. I mean, that clip from um, Hattie Jakes is "This Is Your Life," whereby he's oh. holding her hand and she's a wonderful wife and mother, and I owe her everything. You know, and he's been kipping in the loft while she's been banging yeah. that car salesman from Dagenham for months. Isn't it? At that moment yeah. when they do that recording, that was going on. God. Wow. It's amazing great, man it, it's a great book the graham mccann one um mm. do you think that's wise uh, a job in mm. actor i'm sure is lovely um mm. but i i think you're correct i think lady don't fall backwards would have to be the one and she always seemed so fucking sassy in those interviews as well didn't she always yes she absolutely does so i think i think we'll be getting that yes i think i think that's a very wise choice we shall both buy that and uh yes, and we'll probably end up bidding against each other on the same copy on ebay <laughs> probably probably because someone says oh bill cotton held this one once oh, yeah, want that one yeah, get his dna off that well, <laughs> i think i think that's i think we've covered a lot of ground this week yeah, um, I think we have, yes. And, um, I feel educated, informed, and entertained. Well, so the Rethian principles that I live my life by have all been ticked. Absolutely. Week. I mean, to be quite honest with you, there are so many directions I would like to go now with this conversation, but I think we've probably already done long enough as it is. I think so, and my battery is about to go, dear. Right. Okay. Well, then, uh, thank you <laughs> yes. all for listening. It's been a, a, thank a you real so much. pleasure, as always, mm-hmm. to discuss with. Uh, Oh, what are you this week? Dominic Cummings, what are you this week? I can't remember now. Oh, oh I can't remember. You've got to type it in the credits. Oh. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> thank you, Dominic. And uh, until next week, bye-bye. Uh, uh, goodbye. to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.
Namaste.